0: Peace, peace, peace. I am Philip you, and you're tuned into episode eight of Hashtag You Good Man. So I'm sitting there. I always try to come up with a, a clever title. Sometimes it comes to me. Sometimes it doesn't. So but for this one, I was just sitting there thinking like, OK, it's going to be the subject is going to be on physical wellness. So what's a clever, catchy title that I can use to, to really stress the importance of physical wellness? And then immediately, it's just like the late, great Big Pun just came to me. And one of his songs, you know, he started off by saying, I just lost 100 pounds. I'm trying to live. And for those who don't know, Christopher Rios, a.k.a. Big Pun, he died due to a due to a heart attack due to he was he was obese. And granted, he lost 100 pounds in the attempt to improve his his physical wellness. But unfortunately, it was a little too late. And so when we look at just the various people who we've lost over time due to to physical wellness issues, it's concerning. I know I'm a big hip hop fan, so we look at Eazy-E. You may say, you know, we forget that Eazy-E died of AIDS, which is a, a physical wellness issue. And it's not taking care of ourselves in his case by protecting himself um, while having sex. So I, I was just sitting thinking I didn't know what the I didn't know what the title was going to be. I didn't know what the episode was going to be. But I had such an amazing gym session uh, the day before the day before this. And I just had me realize just how important physical wellness is and how important exercise and, and good nutrition is to me. I used to be 300 pounds. Well, wait, wait, wait. I, I, you know, I always say 300 pounds. I was actually 292 pounds because it was something about getting to that 300 pound mark that was really would have signified that I was obese. Now, granted, nobody thought I was that big, but I, I knew. And I remember those feelings that that came with it in my weight struggles and, and sitting in my room and eating KFC four pieces and like I'm, not, I'm still not a big candy and, and and chocolate and cake type of guy. But listen, when I when I go past KFC, my heart start palpitating real fast because I know that, listen, I, I still feel, you know, I still at times I still feel like that 292 pound person. Because it it impacted my esteem that is taken that I'm still trying to overcome those feelings, those behaviors that I adapted in order to cope. So we're talking about sitting in my room and and that's something I still do. Something where I'm not as social as I would like to be at times. Now, granted, people who know me may consider me a social butterfly. It's funny. I was actually at a, a speaking event in Shippensburg University. And I always thought off, well, well, when you look at me, what do you see? And, you know, the one the one student was like, you look like you're you're outgoing and, you know, you're very personable. And I was just like, really? <laughs> like because I was, you know, I was talking to people, I was laughing, I was doing X, Y and Z. But but those who know me, and who've known me throughout my my entire life, especially during my high school years, they know that that wasn't me. I'm very quiet. I'm, I'm very to myself. And, I, you know, I think a lot. And that's because that's what happens when you sit in your room for for a, a lot of your childhood. Because my self esteem was impacted. I didn't feel like I didn't feel as as handsome as as the other brothers and the other people. Girls weren't noticing me like they were noticing other people. Now that's changed, but I'm still in shock when when a, a when a woman tells me that I'm attractive. You know, I still blanch at it. Like, really, me? You know, because, again, I've adapted some of these traits and I still have uh, symptoms of low self-esteem. And that's just being honest. You know, me being heavy growing up, uh, it was very socially, socially awkward for me. I couldn't wear the things that other people wore, so I couldn't really have those conversations and things like that. But now where I'm at now, I embrace it. I embrace being different. I embrace not being uh, you know somebody who has the everything that everybody else has uh, but back then that was because of my weight not because I, I had this this higher sense of self and you know I didn't want to conform to what society says is in style and keep up with the Joneses but also I was pre-diabetic at 17 years old I went to the doctor and, you know, he said, OK, we want you to come back, you know, so you can get tested for diabetes because you appear to be a pre-diabetic. And I'm like, wait, what? Like I'm 17. I'm, I'm about five, 10, 292 pounds and I'm pre-diabetic. And I didn't really know what that means. I mean, everybody in my family was obese, except for my except for my brother. God bless the dead. But it was just like it was a shock to me. And not even that. Was the reason why I ultimately ended up losing the majority of the of losing literally about 60, 70 pounds in my 12th grade year. So this was probably about my 11th grade, 12th grade year. So it was about 2000 and 2001. The reason why I lost the weight was because I wanted to keep up with the Joneses. Everybody had the salt and pepper Guessies. For those who don't know what Guessies are, uh, Guess Jeans. So guest jeans, polo shirts and, and Timbaland boots. That was the mainstay. That was the staple, especially in the urban community. And You can usually tell what generation somebody is from when you <laughs> when you see what they're wearing. So if I see somebody with that with that same outfit on that I just described, I know, listen, their prime, their prime was in the 90s. Their prime was in the '90s, cause we don't. We tend to hold on to to trends and the styles, the things that we know. So we talk about lingo, we talk about music. Once we get to a certain age, now nah, we're not we're not accepting any new rap artists at all, or any new music artists. So it's like Little Uzi Vert, nah, Little Yachty. Why would I listen to them? You know, Lonzo Ball, the basketball player, said Nas. You know, Nas is isn't a you know, he don't listen to Nas. And he got skewered for it. And it was just like, you know what, I understand. Because I'm not listening to 21 Savage, who he thinks is a great rapper. And I'm excited for the Nas concert. Nas and Lauren Hill tomorrow. But again, that just shows my age. And so at that time, that's what, that's the reason why I lost the weight. So I bought a pair of jeans. I set a goal. And goal setting is so important, especially with physical wellness and just anything in life. I bought a pair of jeans. Uh, at that time, I had like a 48-50 waist. And I bought a pair of 42 inch waist guest jeans because the style was still baggy back then. It wasn't like it is now. Skinny jeans. And but by the way, listen, I was hating on skinny stretch jeans for the longest time. I got me a pair within the last week. The best thing that ever came across in my life. Like I started texting people like, yo, skinny stretch jeans. They're like, you late. I said, man, this feel wonderful. I can bend over and tie my sneaker. Like, do you know how good that feel? You don't got to lift your leg up and put it on something because your jeans are tight, but they're not stretchy. See, it's just the stretchy component that makes it really decent. But I, but, but I digress. But it was it was me setting that goal and me buying those jeans. And then I started going to I got a membership at the YMCA and I just started going there every day after school. And around the same time, I actually started working at McDonald's, too. And, you know, people get you know, I, I, people that know me, you know I don't get into healthy food versus unhealthy food. I believe it is ultimately about calories in versus calories out. And that showed in the, in the documentary, Super Size, where the guy ate McDonald's and he lost weight. And so that's what I did. I mean, I wouldn't really eat lunch at school. Um, uh, I would eat breakfast because I didn't like the lunch. And then I would have a couple meals while I'm at McDonald's working. And so I did that. I would go to the gym. I would go to work. I was getting in enough calories and the weight just started to come off and it was just one day I was able to put them on and it just I felt so good. It was such a sense of accomplishment. It was such a sense of accomplishment that I worked hard and to put in effort to achieve this goal. And then when I go back to the doctor, they say, no, I'm, I'm in I'm in I'm in very good physical health. Except my BMI, my BMI was high, and I'll talk about that later because the BMI is nonsense, and that probably be the just a statement I make later too. <laughs> so I'll just say it now, and then I'll say it later that a uh, body mass index is nonsense because it doesn't attribute uh, account for rather uh, muscle mass and things like that, things that I had that that I had uh, achieved that I had accomplished from lifting weights, from from running and things like that, and, and take it to account. So I was still considered obese on this old. On this old, this old model. But in actuality, I really wasn't. I was actually in, in, in good physical shape. So and that, that helped me, you know, that helped me self-esteem wise. That helped me confidence wise, because at 292 is one time it sticks out like a sore thumb. I was walking across the street and uh, somebody yelled, get out the middle of the street, you cow. But those things we remember, you know, we remember the, the traumatic times. That was traumatic for me. That impacted my self-esteem and how I viewed myself, because it's like if this person who doesn't know me, they just see me as viewing me this way. Well, how are the people that, that I am around every day? How are they viewing me? You know, I wouldn't take my hoodie off in school. I would just leave it on. Because it, it had like a, a slender effect, a slendering effect. And granted, we wore hoodies every day anyway. So, so it all fit. But a lot of that played a part into my depression and anxiety, which um, at that time it existed, but it became magnified because my physical wellness wasn't where it needed to be. And so I I think that's one of definitely one of the the threats to your to your mental and emotional wellness uh, being your your physical wellness, because if you're if you're not if you are obese or if you are underweight and and Experiencing anorexia, bulimia, and things like that—that that definitely impacts your your what your overall wellness. And so now I just want to get into the top threats to men's health. And and at first, and first, it starts with your masculinity. The idea of masculinity is the is probably the biggest threat to your health. And I'll get into that once I start talking about. Once I started talking about going to the doctor and things like that. But this idea that that men can't be weak, men have to be strong at all times. So we can't take care of our physical health. Which it seems just contradictory in nature because you want to be well so you can be, quote unquote, strong, whatever that means. And so some of the other threats that exist uh, to our to our wellness is heart disease. And this isn't in any particular order. Cancer. Unintentional injuries, chronic lower respiratory disease, stroke. And one that wasn't on the list, but I but I had to bring up because your, your physical wellness definitely impacts. And that is just sexual dysfunction. Sex is healthy. Sex is natural and If in the event that you, you know, let's say, take me, for instance, granted, I was young um, and I wasn't experienced at that time. And that was one of the reasons why, Uh, because I was obese. But but if you can be if you are obese, that can uh, influence your testosterone levels. So that can influence your ability to get an erection. And so, yeah, we don't talk about these things, but these things exist. And this is what men really need to, to have true, open and honest dialogue about, because our physical wellness is, is key to us having a, a healthy and a happy and healthy existence. And so with those with those things that were said, listen, they are. Preventable. They are preventable. But again, it's, 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 it's putting. Is really being masculine and saying, listen, you know what? I'm going to take these necessary steps in order to ensure that I'm, I'm physically well. And so some of those steps include avoiding smoking. Now, I don't smoke. I try smoking cigarettes in ninth grade. I smoked for maybe two weeks. Shout out to Tamisha who used to get me my cigarettes when I, when I was 14 years old, I, I doubt she's listening to this, but, but she used to get me my cigarettes. And I would smoke in the morning you know, before I got on the bus because it was just something to try, it was just experiment. And I did it for about two weeks. And then I was in Miss Jaffe's ninth grade uh, math class and I coughed up a lung and I said, oh no, oh no. No, nah, I'm, I'm good on this, I'm good on this, I can't do this anymore. And so I haven't smoked a cigarette to to that to this day. Now, have I smoked marijuana? Yes. Listen, we experiment. I've I've smoked marijuana. Do I do it regularly? No. Maybe once every couple years. Just being open and honest. Now, I do smoke a cigar, which is the equivalent of smoking like three zillion cigarettes. But I do that more so as a method of relaxation and and a part of my self-care regimen. Do I do it every day? No. Do I do it once a week? Maybe. If, I, if I'm having a, if, I, if I have time to actually sit and just focus. And and you know what? On Sunday, I'm gonna have me a cigar and I'm gonna have me a, a glass of whiskey or I'm gonna have me a beer or something where just I can just listen to some music and just just decompress for that hour or for that period of time. But again, when we're talking about chronic smokers, we're talking about smoking a pack a day. You know, it's, it's detrimental. It's detrimental to one. Juan. hence the reason why heart disease and cancer and lower respiratory diseases are such top threats to men's, to men's health. And I know I mentioned unintentional injuries. And, and just to go back to that, unintentional injuries, I had to Google it and say, because I always saw unintentional injuries on like causes of men's death and then i saw it was like age 65 and over it was the number one cause and then it was okay false which makes sense which again we're talking about our physical wellness and so when we talking about lifestyle changes We'll talk we'll talk about, you know, the importance of exercise and and maintaining uh, bone mass and bone density as you progress and as you get older. Because once you start, once you get to a certain age, I want to say it's it's in your your late 30s, early 40s. It starts to lose. You start to lose. You start to lose that that mass that you have acquired throughout adolescence and early adulthood. And so with the lifestyle change, we're talking about avoiding smoke. We're talking about limiting alcohol. For me, I'm somebody who, who likes to drink. I'm an extremist, too, by the way. I'm, I'm an extremist in everything that I do. If I have to be the best. Again, when I was talking at Shippensburg, I had to let them know that, listen, I, I'm an extremist. So when I put my, my heart into something, I'm all in. I'm all in. And so with alcohol, I have to be mindful of that because alcoholism runs in my family. And so there have been periods of time where I just well I've, I've felt that i've i've drank okay i've either drank too much you know not to the point of of passing out or needing hospital intervention but just more than than necessary for or more than i would like or there were days where you know what yeah i drank three consecutive days I, i'm not i don't like how that i don't i don't like how that feels and that couple with me taking medication at times that could be a, a negative. It could be a negative reaction to where I am feeling overly depressed or overly sad. Uh, but again, that's just dependent upon that's literally dependent upon the day because there are times when I do drink and that's not the case. But again, it's something to be mindful of. So you want to limit alcohol. You know, you don't want to have uh, five beers every night because that's unhealthy. That's unhealthy. And then when we talk about liver cancer, we talk about uh, other different kinds of issues that can arise from that, from from, you know, abusing your body for a prolonged period of time. And we have to look at it like that. Listen, even when I smoke my cigars, even when I have me a drink, um, I'm abusing my body. I'm making it work even more harder than than it probably needs to. And then especially if you don't if you're not trying to mitigate that or, or uh, you know, try to counteract that by working out, by eating right, then, yeah, you, you can definitely cut years off of your life as a result of that. So hence the reason why you do want to eat healthy. Whatever that means for you. I know everybody watch What the Health. I don't want to watch it because I don't have a desire to. But people watch What the Health and they view it. You know, it's like, oh, I'm going vegan now. But the thing is, you can be vegan and be unhealthy and have poor physical wellness. I eat bacon every day, at at least three, about maybe about six slices of bacon every day. I I like pork. I know what they say about it. However, (laughs) however, when I do go to the doctor, they always say you're in, in, in perfect physical health. And perfect physical health is is more of like your athlete's type of blood pressure and 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 pulse and, and things like that. And they always say that I'm in amazing health. So hence the reason why I continue to eat the bacon. <laughs> you know, but listen, what whatever it is, whatever is eating healthy for you is, you know, you need to do that. Again, we're talking about calories. Now, if you're and I'm not trying to get into this, isn't a nutrition class or anything like that. But we need to be mindful about our calorie intake. We want to make sure we're getting green vegetables. We want to make sure we're getting in fruit on a daily basis. We want to make sure we're getting in healthy fats. But, yeah, best believe I'm going to have some ice cream or I'm going to have my bacon or, you know, things that are in. in I'm going to have my fruit snacks, which are all deemed to be, you know, either sugars or, you know, your sat fats, your saturated fats. But again, it's about moderation, You can eat things in moderation. Maintaining a healthy weight. And so this is where I get into where I say, again, the BMI is BS. I don't curse, but it's nonsense because here I am. I'm somebody now. I'm 230 pounds and six foot. According to that chart, I'm grossly, severely obese. But according to blood work and and the different types of my blood pressure and things like that, I'm in perfect physical health. And so we have to take that information with a grain of salt. And that just means Googling, like Googling and learning, because it's an, it, at one point it was a solid method. But now it's outdated, especially, you know, when we look at the NFL and athletes, then in uh, the NBA and things like that, then they're all obese as well. So it's just, again, it's something to be mindful of by maintaining a healthy weight. And how do we do that? We move. In addition to eating healthy, we move, we be active, we run, we lift weights, we do different things. We, dan- we ballroom dance. We do different things that, that's going to get our heart rate up. And that's going to that's going to help us uh, maintain whatever that healthy weight is for us. Listen, I, I love when people say that, you know, and you tend to see it a lot with women. You know, um, they embrace their curve. They they embrace being um, on the heavier side. And so I say, listen, that confidence is amazing. It's amazing. That's dope. But listen, when we get down to it, we talking about extending years on your life. We're talking about extending years on your life. And so, yeah, you could be you could be, you know, a plus size woman because there's listen, there's some Sexy plus size women out there. I got an affinity for big girls. I ain't going to lie. You know, they they touch a special place in my heart. You know, I, I love them. But listen, if we're talking about, you know, extending your life by 10 years. By losing X amount of weight. Then why not lose X amount of weight and still have that confidence? 20 pounds lighter, 30 pounds lighter. Or in my mom's case, my mom lost 65 pounds. And it's her birthday today, September the 13th. Shout out to my mom. You know, she don't listen to this. (laughs) But, you know, listen, because I want her around. She got a granddaughter. You know, I don't want her saying that, you know, listen, I'm I'm severely overweight um, and I'm feeling good. And then, you know, God forbid she passes away. Like, nah, that confidence is cool. But let's lose that weight while we're at it and have that confidence at a healthier weight. And so hence the reason why exercise, nutrition all play a part. And then we're talking about, again, managing stress. One of the big uh, uh, factors in, in weight loss and weight gain is stress. It's stress. So when I was sitting in, the, in, in my room eating three piece playing, uh, playing PlayStation, you know, that was stress. That was stress. Or you have the person who's not eating at all, who's not working out and their, their, their weight is starting to lessen. And they're starting to have health, different health complications. It can be because of stress. And so that means we got to improve our coping skills. A great coping skill, one of mine's is lifting weights. We're talking about doing things that you love. Everybody has something that they love doing. That they enjoy doing. And that's healthy. And when I say healthy, I'm not talking about just, just um, exercise. I'm talking about you might enjoy painting. You might enjoy writing. That's healthy. That's a healthy coping skill to utilize when you are feeling stressed. Take medication. I just picked up my medication yesterday. 75 milligrams of Effexor. I don't plan on being it on the rest of my life. But for right now, this is helping me. This is helping me with my depression and anxiety. And it's helping me manage, man, it's it putting me at a baseline. So then I'm, I'm in a better place to manage what's happening with me. And then I'll, you know, I always say see a therapist. I'm still, just like eight episodes in, I'm still in the process of, of trying to find a therapist because it can be lengthy. It can be a lengthy process. But it's worth it. It's also worth it to have somebody who can sit there, you can talk to, who's not going to judge you, and you can be open and honest with. And then the last, the last thing we talk about is just going to the doctor, man. Man, we gotta go to the doctor. Again, the reason why we don't go it starts with with masculinity. It starts with masculinity, and this this notion of how we're going to be perceived, and we don't want to be perceived in a certain way to be less than a man or, you know, that we're weak. Nobody wants to be weak. When it's the complete opposite, a complete opposite, it takes much strength to go see a doctor on a yearly basis or when something's happening with you. And so I was just sitting there, you know, looking up like, why don't people go to the doctor? Like, why? I I asked myself. I asked myself. And so, yeah, you know what? I don't have time. And that was 22 uh, percent of men surveys said they don't have time. Now, if that ain't the biggest crock of nonsense, they don't have time. We're talking about one hour per year, one hour per 365 days. They don't have time. I don't have time. It's nonsense. And I could listen. I'm, I could call myself out on nonsense, too. My reasoning is nonsense. I went last summer. I'm like, all right, I'm good. You know, so I'm not going to not going to go. I know I don't have a, an STD. I know. I and, and, and how do I figure that? You know, granted, I do get tested, you know, but <laughs> let's be clear, you know, because if you are sexually active, you should get tested, especially if you have an unprotected sex. So I have been, I have been tested within the last year. Um, but as far as like an overall physical, I haven't been. So but a lot I know a lot of men, a lot of brothers who, who I talk to and it's just like, nah, they're not going to get tested. It's like, why? Wow, because my girl got tested. It's like at one point I understood that logic. I understood the logic. Faulty. Irresponsible. Stupid as hell. But I understood the logic because that was me in my younger years. Now I got to go. She, she went. But it's critical, especially if you're sexually active, that you need to go check out that you need to go to the doctor. Another reason was they're afraid to find out something wrong. And that goes to finding out if you have a, a sexually transmitted disease because nobody wants to find that out. You know, especially if it's one that's that's not treatable or that's not curable rather. But if you're going to go to the doctor and they're going to the doctor's going to tell you you have high blood pressure or you have high cholesterol. And you need to change your habits. Do I really want to hear that? No, I really don't want to hear that. Now I'm gonna continue on. Now, but when you continue on, that's when you at the top. You're you're at risk for heart disease, cancer, stroke, and things like that, because you're too prideful to to first number one go, and then the make the necessary lifestyle changes. It's uncomfortable, especially those once you get over a certain age. Once you get over 40, you start getting prostate exams. Like it's like, Ugh, it's, you know, oh, am I going? Am I you know, nah, nobody's, um, nobody's going to go into that region. Nobody's going to go into the booty hole to check me out. And it's just like, I can understand it when I was, I, I want not say when I was younger, but you know, I had a, a prostate exam checked relatively early. I was in like my mid to late twenties and that wasn't, it didn't feel good. It didn't feel good at all. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't something I said, oh, yeah, that, that's cool. I like that. No, nah, that was it wasn't that. But when he said, you know what, you good. Come, you you got five years, you got come back in X amount of years. And get it checked again. Oh, yeah, yeah. Then I felt good. Then it was just like, OK, yeah, yeah. You know what? I'm I'm. The process and the, the, the process and a lot of times in life, the process is rough, but that end result, it make it all worth it. And for that for that for that prostate exam, him telling me that I was fine and I get it checked in a couple years. I'm glad I went through that that slightly painful experience. But again, it's just one of the reasons why we why we don't go to the doctor. Personal questions. We don't want to be asked personal questions by our, by our doctor. Because, again, we're supposed to keep everything in. But when we go to the doctors and somebody like myself, that's the reason why I ended up getting on medication. Because the doctor asked me, was I depressed? This is just a general physical exam two years ago now. And I say, yeah, you know what I am. No longer would I sit there and say, no, I'm good. I'm all right. I say, yeah, I am. It's like, all right, we're going... That started the process. And throughout that and, and during that process, what happens? I've had the best two and a half years of my life. My suicidal ideations that were four to five times a day for 10 plus years, they subsided. All because I answered that doctor's question and I put my pride and ego and toxic masculinity aside. For that to occur. But personal questions are another reason. Now, the rest of these reasons are nonsense. I'm going to just go flat out and call it. I'm not going to even give them much time uh, because I am at the 30 minute mark anyway. I don't want to talk your head off because I think you get the point. I think the men listening get the point. I think the women that are listening recognize that we already know they're going to go. You know, but for some who may be listening, you need to go as well. But to encourage your your men, the men that are in your life to go and force them. Force him to go. And I, don't, I can't tell you the tricks of the trade to force the people that you care about to go to the doctor. You know, for me, if, if, my, if my little girl called me, Daddy, can you go to the doctor, please? Man, I'm, I'm on my first. I'm on my way there without an appointment just to stand there. or right, my appointment next month. All right, I'm going to sit right here just because, you know, I, I, she knows how to get to me. And so the last three reasons just were getting on a the scale. They don't want to be naked in the room is cold. Now, I think the men that answered that question, they was just like, they don't want to get a real reason. So it was like let me just give something. You know, let me give something. But, yeah, getting naked in there is rough. It's rough, especially sitting on that hard white paper. You got to maneuver around the gown never quite fits. But again, it's for the greater good. You know, getting your, your testicular area uh, checked out by coughing. Yeah, it might be uncomfortable, but it's for the greater good. And this is how we have to look at that. This is why well, our physical wellness is so important, because it's for the greater good. We're talking about prolonging our life. We are already dying at, um, earlier than women. Just because we're not getting something done, we're not going to see somebody. We're willing to jeopardize our lives. We're willing to jeopardize our relationships. All because we're afraid. All because of fear. I challenge you. I challenge the men that are listening now. Listen, if you haven't had a physical within the last year. After listening, just make it. Make that appointment. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to make me an appointment as well. And when I get on my next podcast, I'll let I'll, I'll, you know, confirm that I made it or I'll confirm on my social media that I made it. Because, again. We matter. And we have to show ourselves that we matter. By taking care of our physical wellness, I appreciate you guys tuning in this week. Uh, as usual, you can catch me on social media at Phil, P-H-I-L, that's on Instagram, P-H-I-L underscore Quadify Q-U-A, D and dog, E-F-Y. You can catch me on the same on Twitter, and you can catch me on Facebook at facebook.com backslash, is that forward or back, forward slash Philip with two L's, M-S-W. So I appreciate you guys. Peace.